Amen. Before we get into the message this morning, I want to read a letter for you, uh, to you from Coffee Bean. Dear Pastor Joy and Mount Pleasant Church family, what a joy it was to be with you last year. Thank you for the opportunity to speak in both morning services and Sunday school classes and with several Bible study groups. Our partnership in sharing the gospel reminds me of the story of the Amalekites' defeat in Exodus 17. The Bible says that when Moses lifted up his hands, the Israelites were winning the battle. But when he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Aaron and Hur supported Moses by lifting up his hands until the battle was won. And that's a great picture of our partnership. You are Aaron and Hur as you hold up our hands through prayer and giving. And because of your faithfulness to intercede for the national believers and me, the Most High God gives us victory in our daily battles against the spiritual forces of darkness. Thank you for your consistent prayers for Daniel and for the Hmong people. They are standing firm in the midst of ongoing persecution. Today, I especially want to commend you on your generous giving to the 2015 Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Congratulations on being one of the top giving churches Approximately $165.8 million was received, the highest in 127 years. Praise God. Because of your gifts, missionaries like me are able to fulfill their calling, minister in last frontier areas, and share the good news with people who have never heard of our Savior. So thank you so much, church family, for having a heart for your neighbors and a heart for the nations journeying with you, Coffee Bean. So continue to pray for her and for the Hmong people as well. Well, today, <clears throat> as we come to the story of the rich young ruler, I don't apologize on the front end because I'm fighting, have been fighting a sinus infection. I have a bottle of water here I may have to go get in a few minutes, um, but just bear with me as I go through the message today. But today we're looking at the story of the rich young ruler, and we find in other gospel accounts that he was young, according to Matthew. He was a ruler, according to Luke, but we really don't know any specifics here how old he is or what he's a ruler of or how he obtained his wealth. Nevertheless, he recognizes that he is still missing something. And we'll see that here in the scripture. And he wants to know how to have eternal life. Now, sometimes we find out things that we don't want to know. And that's what happened here with him. But as I was working on this message this week, my mind went back to when I was a child. And I remember a time when <clears throat> most, of my, most of my memories as a child are with my grandmother, my, my dad's mother. And I remember a time when I was about six, seven, or eight, somewhere in that age group, where I was at my grandmother's house. And she had an old washing machine with the rollers in it. I think I found, not, not hers, but I found a picture that sort of may remind you of it. You remember something like this? <clears throat> yes, weren't they wonderful contraptions? <clears throat> Fascinating to a six, seven, or eight-year-old boy, which is where I was about this time. And I remember being out on her back porch, and she was washing clothes, and I was with her, and she was doing the laundry. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I found out you got something for me, brother. Good. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll take, we'll take both of them. I need them both. But I was with her on the, uh, as she was washing clothes, and somehow... I got my hand caught in that roller, and it went on up, and it caught me, and she was frantic, and she pushed something, and, it, and the, the top of it lifted, and my arm came out. 
Well, my grandmother was a, the world's greatest worrier, <clears throat> and so she was making sure that I was okay and what have you, and I was fine, <clears throat> a little, little, little frazzled by what had taken place, but she sent me into the living room so she could finish doing laundry, and I was watching TV. Well, after just a few minutes, probably 10 minutes or so, she comes running through the living room, and her hand is bandaged up. And, and uh, so we are here on the phone, we got to go to the doctor. And on the way to the doctor, I hear the story of what my grandmother did. She had started back to working on the machine, doing the wash, and she was poking her finger there to see how in the world I got my finger caught and my arm caught. And when, I, when, it, when she did, she stuck her finger and it caught her finger and she pulled it back. And of course, it did some damage and she had to go to the doctor. But she found out what she really didn't want to know uh, during that time. Those are not fun things to work with. Well, as we look here at the rich young ruler, he thought he had built up quite a spiritual portfolio with spiritual investments, and he wanted to make sure that the dividend or the payout would be eternal life. But Jesus helps him to understand what a real kingdom portfolio looks like, and it was painful for him because it's not what he was hoping for. So we're going to look at, at Mark chapter 10, starting verse 17, going through verse 31, and honor reverence to the word of God, if you'd please stand as I read that for you today. <clears throat> now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. <clears throat> then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? saved. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word of God this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. <clears throat> Lord, maybe we in our own uh, minds have uh, unknowingly have been putting spiritual investments into a spiritual portfolio that we're counting on you to pay out big time to us. 
If that is the case, Father, we pray that you would convict us of where we have failed you. And Lord, again, may you lay your finger upon our hearts where we need to be challenged and convicted. But Lord, may you have your way upon our hearts and lives today. Lord, we we look to you. Lord, as I come before you, I, I come in your strength. I pray, Father, for your spirit to have your way, for your anointing to be upon me, upon this congregation. And I pray, Father, that you would have your way in every heart and life of those here that don't know Jesus, that this would be the hour of salvation. Those of us who do know you, Lord, may be a time of recommitment. But Lord, we pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts and lives and may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Let me get a swallow. We see, first off, in your bulletin that there are a couple of points here, four points uh, to today's message. Follow along there, if you would. And the first thing that we see was respect. First thing is respect. First thing we see that the rich young ruler felt like was a good investment for him in his spiritual portfolio was respect for Jesus. Now, understand in this investment, it was a high-risk investment for the rich young ruler. Well, how was it a high risk? Well, let's look again at verse 17. And it tells us here that he was going out on the road. And as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And what we see here is that uh, it's a high risk investment because it's high risk for him to be doing certain things that he's doing here. The first thing is that he is running. It was very undignified in that culture and in that day for people to be running. But this man wants to get up to where Jesus is and he is running toward him. It tells us that once he got there, he knelt before him. He knelt. He bowed out of respect for Jesus as a great teacher. And then also it tells us here that he called Jesus. Jesus a good teacher. He called him by that, good teacher. And many would refrain from calling other people good because only God was good, and that was what was accepted in that culture. And many would have just called Jesus teacher or rabbi. But the other thing here that this was high risk for him is because it took place during the day. Unlike Nicodemus, who came to Jesus during the night for fear of being seen, he also was a man of influence and did not want to jeopardize his position in his place of influence, but not so with this rich young ruler. It mattered not to him. And so he was showing respect for Jesus, which was a high-risk investment for him, But he wanted to know what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. Now, he didn't mind being seen with Jesus. He may have even known some of the disciples. He respected who Jesus was. He respected what he had to say. Even though there were plenty of religious rulers and others who wanted Jesus out of the picture, this rich young ruler still wanted to hear from Jesus. And because of that, and because he was doing all this in daytime, it was high risk. And he was investing his respect into, if you will, a spiritual portfolio. And maybe this would help him to have eternal life. As we think about that in him, he is like so many people today. There are people who get close to who Jesus is. 
people who know some followers of Jesus, and maybe even these folks will come to church to hear about Jesus occasionally. They respect who Jesus is. They believe that he walked on the earth, that he was a good teacher. He was a prophet with answers, and they may even believe that he died on the cross, but that's about as far as they will go. And they're hoping that maybe that's enough of an investment to get into heaven. But James chapter 2 verse 19 tells us that you believe that there is one God, you do well, but even the demons believe and tremble. You see, friends, respect is great, but it is not what gets people into heaven and is not what secures eternal life. So it is one thing, a high-risk investment that the rich young ruler is putting into his portfolio, hoping to get out the dividend of eternal life, but it will not pan out for him. The second thing we see here is relationships. Next, we see that Jesus turns the man's attention away from himself and toward God and what God has to say. And so we see that in verse 18 and 19. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And as Jesus says these things and reveals the commandments that the rich young ruler knew about, this young man reveals, oh yes, this is another thing that I have put into my spiritual portfolio. He had divested his stock, and not only had he put in the high-risk investment of respect to Jesus, but now also we see that he has put in the low-risk investment of relationships. In verse 20, he says, and he answered and said to Jesus, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. He has kept all of these commandments from his youth, he says. And the word kept is a very strong word. It means keeping guard. It's a Greek, the Greek for that means keeping guard, meaning carefully guarding them from being broken. Very strong. He has kept them and tried his best not to uh, break them. He, is, he was being good. He was being nice. He was being kind. He had not done anything to hurt anyone. He was a nice person being nice to other people. He was keeping the law. It was a low risk investment, but he was sure that he had kept the whole thing. He was keeping the law, hoping that this would save him. But we know that the law cannot save us from sin. Rather, it is a mirror that shows us how dirty we are. We think we're really good people, but the law reveals a different picture. And while it shows us how dirty we are, the law cannot cleanse us. And unfortunately, there are many today who are placing their stock also in this low-risk investment. There are people who will say, well, I'm a good person. Well, you know, I, I'm, I, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't been unfaithful to my spouse. Or compared to a whole lot of people, I'm really a great guy. Surely God will weigh out what I have invested here and he will pay out with eternal life. Friends, listen. That just is not the case. That is not how it works. 
we cannot compare ourselves to other people. No, in order to get into heaven, in order to have eternal life, we must be holy. We must be perfect. We must be righteous in the eyes of God. And no matter how much we think we have kept the commandments, guess what? We are all guilty. We're all guilty of breaking the commandments. Oh, pastor, you have just crossed the line. There's no way that I have broken the commandments. Well, I'm glad you think so. So let's just investigate that just a little bit. We, it tells us, and of course, I know you probably know all the commandments. So let's just look at a couple of those. Uh, murder. Well, there's nobody here, I'm sure, who's murdered anyone. But listen to what the Bible says in 1 John three fifteen: Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So you don't have to have actually killed someone. The Bible tells us that even if you hate someone, if there's hatred in your heart for someone, that is comparative to you being a murderer. Say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, let's go a little bit further. I've never committed adultery. I've never been unfaithful to my wife. Well, let's hear what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 27 and 28. He says, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So you, don't, you didn't have to have actually committed the adultery act. If you just lust after someone, then you have also committed adultery. According to Jesus, you have broken the commandments. Say, well, that's murder, that's hatred, that's lust, that's adultery. I'm, I'm good on the rest of them, okay? You've, have you ever bear false witness? Have you ever told a lie? Gotcha. <laughs> right? Everybody here at least has done that. Okay, pastor, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. I've told a lie, okay? I understand. But I've only broken that one. I haven't broken them all, just that one. Listen to James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So you see, friends, if I drop a glass on the, on the ground and it breaks off just a small piece of the glass, it's still broken. And so if we have broken any part of the law, we have broken the law, and we are guilty, and we're sinners in sight of a holy God. This rich young ruler had this low-risk investment thinking that he was good enough. And today, there are people all around us who think that we're good people only doing good things, and that's going to get us into heaven and have eternal life, but we'll find out, friends, that that will not pan out as well. The rich young ruler thought he was okay, even if somehow he was able to keep those commandments, he was definitely guilty of the first part of the commandments, which brings us to the next point, point number three, which is reserves, reserves. You see, in the rich young ruler's spiritual portfolio, he was keeping some securities in reserve, and Jesus knows it. 
Jesus saw beneath the man's vain efforts, and he saw this man's deepest need. Look at verse 21. Jesus, looking at the rich young ruler, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. The rich young ruler was holding back on his possessions. He was holding back on his wealth. He was holding back on his money because this is where his security was. This is where he was placing his trust, the possessions, his wealth, his money. This is where he was placing his devotion. And Jesus sees the man's true heart. And what Jesus does is he places his holy finger on that place that has that man's devotion. And he knew that the man loved his money more than he loved the Lord God. And therefore, he had broken the first commandment. Jesus shows him the obstacle that is in the way of eternal life. And so Jesus is telling the rich young ruler, here is the problem here. Remove the obstacle and come and follow me. But the man loved his possessions and he did not want to part with them. Look at verse 22. It says, but he was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. The rich young ruler hears what needs to happen in his life. And he walks away from it. And he walks away from it sorrowful. Sad. The word there, the word picture there in the Greek really is interesting. It means gloomy. Like storm clouds have just gathered. That's what the word means. We've seen a few of those recently, haven't we? The sun can be out and all of a sudden storm clouds begin to gather and it just gets gray and gloomy. That's the picture of what has happened in this man. He wanted salvation on his own terms and now he hears what needs to happen and he is disappointed. His money is where he is placing his trust. His money was his savior. Listen, friends, whatever you are placing your trust in, that is your Savior. Did you hear me? Whatever it is that you are placing your trust in, that is your Savior. This, these possessions were his security. This was his reserve It was that part of him that he was saying, you know, Jesus, I I want to have eternal life. I want to do what you say here, but I just, this, this is one area of my life. I just cannot release that. This is my security. This is where I'm trusting. I'm holding this back. Friend, listen, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Understand this. Understand this. Think about it. The Lord Jesus Christ held absolutely nothing back from us. And we are to hold nothing back from him. 
So what do you mean by that, Pastor? What do you mean that Jesus held nothing back from us? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it tells us this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus, who enjoyed being in the presence of his Father, who enjoyed the splendor and the glory of heaven, left that, holding nothing back, and came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and then died a cruel death upon the cross of Calvary, holding nothing back for you and for me to have salvation. And if Jesus held nothing back from us, friends, it is okay if he asks us not to hold anything back from him. Amen? That's what he asks. That's what he commands. And this rich young ruler was holding back his wealth and it stood in the way of salvation because it was his God. Now here's a question for you. Are your possessions or are your money, your treasures, is that your God? Notice Jesus' response as the rich young ruler walked away. Jesus looked around, verse 23, said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's, it's impossible. But they were greatly astonished, saying that among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Aren't you grateful for that? Amen. That with, all God, with God all things are possible. To save a wretch like me. You see, friends, here the disciples, the disciples thought that, they, that having wealth in that day was a sign of God's favor. So it was blowing their mind that there, Jesus is saying that a rich person could not enter into heaven because it would seem that God has shown favor to them. But what Jesus is saying is that salvation and eternal life are not obtained on our own terms. We can do nothing or place nothing in our own spiritual portfolios to get an eternal dividend of heaven or even to get God to do what we want. But too often, we are looking for a big payoff from God for what we feel like that we have invested in him. We say, God, look at how faithful I've been at church. God, look at how much money I gave last year. God, look at how nice I was to the people in the checkout line. And you know, God, that that was really hard for me to be nice to those folks. God, look at, at all my time that I am reading the Bible. Look at all my songs in which I can sing. Look at all this that I am doing. And friends, listen. While those things are all great and important, these are not investments where we're seeking a payout from God. Our life, listen, our life is to be about loving Jesus. We're to be devoted to him, 
committed to him, surrendered to him, and as we love him, we hold nothing back from him. Amen? When we love the Lord, we're not going to hold anything back from him. Listen, our problem today too often is the same as the rich young ruler's problem. We are investing our lives in the things of today when we should be investing them in the things of eternity. Matthew six nineteen through 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, listen, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friend, here's the question. Where is your heart? What are you placing your trust in? Where are you placing your security? Where is your devotion? What are you holding back? Friends, what area of your life are you keeping in reserves from Jesus? Where are you placing your trust? Where are you placing your securities? Is it your money? Do you possess money or does it possess you? If Jesus, listen, if Jesus led you to give all of your money away or even a large sum of money, would you do it? Is it your position or is it your job? If you found that where you work was doing something unethical, would you lay it all on the line? Because as a believer, it's what you need to do. Is it family? Jesus, you can have every part, but I don't want you to touch my family. I don't want you to mess with that. If the Lord were to lead you to sell your home and move away to a new job or a new ministry and you had to leave some extended family behind, would you go? Or maybe you're beyond that and maybe we need to ask this question. If God called your son or your daughter or your grandchild away to do ministry somewhere else or to be on mission somewhere else, would you try to talk them out of it because you want them close? What is it that we're holding back from Jesus that we are not willing to surrender to him. Friend, maybe it's nothing tangible like this. Maybe instead it's a bitterness. Maybe it's an unforgiveness. Lord, you really are my Lord, but you know that person did something to me. And I cannot release that. Do you need to give that to the Lord Jesus today? Don't hold anything back from him. Surrender it to him. Because as you, the the ironic thing is that when we give it to him, that's where we find freedom. Amen? Hand it over to the Lord Jesus. Whatever's going on in your life. As followers of Jesus, our lives are to be about loving him. If you're holding something back, release it today. We saw that Jesus put his finger on the very nerve of that young man because Jesus knew what and where he was placing his trust and what he was holding in reserves. What area of your life, friend, at this moment is Jesus placing his finger on you about even now? Let nothing stand in the way of following Jesus and loving him.
And here's the payoff. Fourth point, the reward. Verses 28 through 31. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Many who are first will be last and the last first. So the disciples here are saying to Jesus, they had made an irrevocable decision to leave all that they had and to follow him permanently. Now, in other other accounts of this this story here, it could be, very well could be, that Peter is asking and thinking, okay, we've done all this, now what are we getting out of it? His question may have been misguided, but nevertheless, it brings us to the right place. They had invested all of themselves. They had invested in loving Jesus. They had invested in following him. And Jesus says to them in this passage that when that is sincere and when that is genuine for his sake and for the gospel's sake and not for your own sake, then there is reward. He tells them what that is. You will receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in this time. You see, friends, listen, when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, when we say, yes, I'm going to commit my life to the Lord. Yes, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to surrender my heart to him. Eternity, eternal life begins at that moment. There is reward at that moment. Yes, if we have to leave parents, if we have to leave children, friends, think of the reward and the gain in which we received as we have the family of God together. Amen? They may have, there were those in that day and still in this day who are having to leave their parents and leave their children and leave family because of their giving their hearts to Jesus. But he is saying, look, if you do that for my sake in the gospels, you're going to reap because there are going to be people who are going to love you just like family. We know that as God's people, don't we? That our closest family sometimes are not our blood kin, but our church family, amen? Who stand with us and who love us and walk with us through the valleys of life. Jesus knows what he's talking about. Eternal life begins when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. But he goes further and he talks about, and also you will have persecutions. Well, that does not sound like a reward that I want to have. Well, listen to what 1 Peter 3.14 tells us. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Friends, there is coming a time, maybe we've already felt it in some areas of our lives, but certainly across the world, there are times when people are facing persecution by being followers of Jesus Christ. And we recognize that we are blessed because of that, because Jesus was persecuted for us. And we are identifying with our Savior and what he has done for us. Amen? We are blessed. In this time with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life, there is reward in the age to come. Friends, it will be, listen, it will be worth it 
after all when we see Jesus face to face. Amen? We can do nothing to gain eternal life. He is the one who gives us new life, who gives us eternal life. And the blessing of being with him now and forever, loving him and following him, that is the reward. That is the dividend that is based on what he has done for you and for me by his grace and not by any works in which we have done. The question is, do you know him as Lord and Savior? Because he loves you. Just as he loved the rich young ruler, it tells us there in verse 20, 21, Jesus looking at him loved him. But that young man walked away. The question is, what will you do as Jesus loves you as well? What you must do is to come to Jesus and follow him because it's a step of faith. We said a few moments ago that you cannot get into heaven unless you are holy and perfect and righteous. But none of us here are holy and perfect and righteous because of our sin. We have all broken the law. But we are made holy. We are made perfect before a holy God as we trust Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. The Lord Jesus takes the condemnation in which we deserve and he gives us his righteousness. So that now the Holy Father sees us as he sees his son when we know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Praise God. Amen. How do you take that step? By trusting him by faith, surrendering to him. It's a step of faith, acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a Savior for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Turning from sin and turning to Jesus, that is repentance. Saying to the Lord, I am sorry for my sin in my life. I recognize I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. And I believe, Lord Jesus, and I embrace with all of my heart that you are God's son who died on the cross, taking my penalty for me on the cross of Calvary for me and my sin. And that you rose again bodily from the grave. We embrace that. We believe that. And we profess him to be the Lord of our lives. It's a step, one step, trusting him by faith. As we do these things, which is acknowledging our sin, repenting of our sin, believing in Jesus who died for us, and professing him as the Lord and Savior. It's one step of faith. It's by faith. If you've never done that, today is the day of salvation. And I invite you, friend, if you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, why not today? Christian, let me ask you a question. Where has Jesus spoken to you today? Is there, is there some place that you were holding back from Jesus? You know, grandma touched that roller and it was painful for her. And let me just acknowledge that when Jesus touches that place that we're holding back from him, it's painful to us to release it. But he knows what's best And he knows the obstacles that are in the way of us fully following Jesus. Hear his voice to you and obey him. Now, let me ask you, if you have Jesus plus nothing, is that enough for you? If you have Jesus plus nothing, is that enough? If it's not, 
then something is an obstacle to you following the Lord fully and completely. Listen, he must have first place in our lives. He must have the priority in our lives. He must be above everything. He must be the most important. If he's not there for you today, friend, listen, surrender it to the Jesus, recommit to him today, and obey him in every area of your life because he is faithful and he's trustworthy and he is the king. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you speak to us. And we pray, Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts and lives this morning to guide us and direct us. Lord, those areas in our lives where indeed we have held back from you. Lord, open our eyes to those things. And may you convict us of those things. Lord, we don't want anything to stand in the way of our walk with you. Father, for those here who don't know the Lord Jesus today, Lord, whatever it is that they've been holding back and say, no, I don't want that relationship with Jesus. I don't want to surrender it all to him. Lord, may you break down those barriers and pull down those strongholds and give eyes to see. Lord, may you have your way in their hearts as well, just as you've had in our hearts. And those of us who know you as Lord and Savior, Father, we pray that you would have your way in us. Guide and direct us, Lord, where we have failed you, where we've held back those places, those reserves, those places that are our securities. Lord, may you help us to set those things aside, yield those things to you, whatever that looks like, and say, Lord, I am completely yours. I commit my whole life to you, and I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might. You are our greatest treasure, O Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, even as we've not deserved it. You have loved us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you all the time. Be with us as we come to our invitation, Lord, as we sing about our love for you. May you remind us of it, and may you have your way in us as we make these decisions of commitment. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, My Jesus, I Love Thee. You come as God has dealt with your heart. You can come pray with Brother Andy or myself, or come and pray silently, whatever you prefer. But you come as God has dealt with your heart today.